the majority of wrist issues um, aren't actually issues in the wrist. The majority of times it's instability in your shoulder and your scapula that causes a downstream effect to your wrist requiring to kind of take more of the load. And thus that causes pain or wrist issues. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 4 and 6 Fitness Club podcast. Coach Megs, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing good. Awesome. Um, so today's a bit of a fun episode. Um, we're going to be talking about using gear to increase your performance. We're not talking about gear as in steroids. We are talking about <laughs> accessory equipment um, that we see throughout you know, tons of gyms um, that people use to kind of help with their performance, help with their training, help with injuries, some other things. But um, it's going to be a very interesting conversation because you and I have some different views on on the types of equipment and things that people use to assist them in their training. But before we get to any of that, I've got a couple couple cool things that are going on at the gym what did you want to what did you want to mention all right we are we launched a nutrition program last week which we're really excited about this is a revamp on something that we've done in the past and we've taken what we've learned and we've elevated it to the next level um so we're very excited about that if you haven't seen the emails and posts about that maybe take a look in your inbox um, and then the other really exciting thing that we have launched is the date for our members competition, which is going to be on October 21st. So link registration went live last week as well. And we are just going to start getting all those people signed up so that we can create teams. This might be one of our most fun events of the season. It is without question. I mean, this I believe will be the 11th. 10th or 11th time that we've run it. Um, kind of amazing. So it's, yeah, it's got a lot of history. And because it's such a fun event, it usually sells out. And we only have 60 spots available. So if you're interested, make sure you make sure you get signed up quickly um, and ensure you get a spot. Yes. Last All year right. was my first year running. So that was my first year running it. So I'm very excited for year two. Okay. Amazing. I think we're going to do an episode on members comp coming up. So um, if you're new to it, or you're unsure of whether or not you want to take part, look out for that episode because we will do a very good sales job of convincing you to (laughs) sign up for the members comp. Um, Cool. Okay. So getting on to today's topic, using exercise gear to increase performance. So why would people use accessory gear? What is the purpose of using accessory gear from your experience, Megs? Well, I think that that's changed a little bit throughout the year or the years because when I started, I think I got really excited about pretty much all gear that I could put into my CrossFit bag. So um, I probably accumulated a piece of 
most everything with not really understanding the purpose of why I might use it. Um, but now as time has gone on, I have found that some of it I use a lot or don't use at all. Um, and the purpose generally comes into play as depending on where my body's at, what I'm feeling like. So if I need to support something for an injury or a tweak or something like that, that gen generally ends up being where I use gear. What about you? When do you tend to use gear? Yeah, I mean, you can go back and start talking about, you know, I wanted to kind of look the part. Um, I think a lot of people <laughs> might choose some gear for that or their neighbor who has their neighbor in class who has, you know, a hundred pound bigger squat than I do. Well, he wears Olympic lifting shoes, so I better wear Olympic lifting shoes. You know, those types of reasons. Um and, you know, other than that, there's the obvious reasons of, you know, injuries or ripped hands or, um, you know, what else would you say? Poor movement mechanics that that people tend to pick up an accessory, some accessory gear to try to help them in, in those situations. Um, I think what you and I are going to try to get at in this episode, though, is we're going to go through, you know, a few different common pieces of accessory equipment that we see used in the gym and and talk about when you should use them, why you should use them, and maybe why you shouldn't be using them. Because at the end of the day, I think the biggest the biggest thing around using accessory gear needs to come down to what what are you training for, right? What is the purpose of your training? If you ask yourself that question before you strap on some new fancy gear, you'll probably get a, you know, a, a good idea of whether or not you should actually be using. Um, anything to add there? No, that makes sense. All right. So cool. Let's start with the first one. So the first one we have on the list here is wrist wraps. The old yeah. wrist wraps. So when do you see these like things used the most? I feel like this one is, is a great one to start with because the wrists take a pretty good beating when you start CrossFit, right? Like the, the movements that we do with cleans and like the overhead movements tend to create a little bit of soreness in the wrist. Um, we hear that a lot, you know, oh, that if they're sore, they take a bit of a beating. Um, so wrist wraps kind of become that question mark. You know, if you've seen somebody with them or if your wrists are bothering you, like, oh yeah, I should wrap them. It's like the easy kind of like, I think that will help if I wrap them. Um, so I generally see those used the most with kind of the overhead or even like a clean kind of movement, which can be a little restrictive. Um, the big question is like, does it really help? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing with wrist wraps and I'll be very, very clear on this. Usually the majority of time that I've seen it and, you know, even when I use them or even just taping your wrist, things like that, the majority of wrist issues um, aren't actually issues in the wrist. The majority of times it's instability in your shoulder and your scapula that causes a downstream effect to your wrist requiring to kind of take more of the load. And thus mm -hmm. that causes pain or wrist issues. So, you know, this is one of those this is one of those um, points where we say, you know, is this gear, are we using this gear just to sub as a substitute for poor movement? Um, a lot of the times that's why people 
use wrist straps, maybe without even realizing it, right? They say, oh, you know, this weight overhead is really heavy. I'm getting some wrist pain. And that wrist pain actually isn't due to your wrist. It's due to the fact that your scapula and shoulder aren't stable enough to control the weight overhead. So I think you need to look at that um, before you start wrapping yourself with wrist wraps. But, you know, if you are to use wrist wraps, I think there's a, a couple things that you need to ensure. Number one is don't use it over the wrist joint. As much as you might want to, it should be, they should be placed just below the wrist joint. So you're, you're supporting the joint. You're not covering the joint. Um, and then number two is only use these things for heavier loads. If you're going to try to get your body away from requiring the use of them, um, and sometimes it can just be a placebo effect, but if you want to get your body away from requiring to use them, only use them in heavy loads for your warm-ups, for light loads, you know, try to stay away from using them and that's going to help train your body to get into better positions and kind of get used to load without using wrist wraps. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not only being able to work on those better positions, but also to gain some strength in that area as well, right? So being able to move through that joint properly and safely. And if we're always giving it that wrist wrap, I always think of like a wrap as like a hug. It's like this supportive hug, right? And holding all the pieces together. But if that is the thing that I'm using all of the time, then I'm not really gaining the ability to do it without it. It's like it becomes like this relying on it thing. So it's ideal to kind of go out without when you can and then only be using them in those certain times. But should I need wrist wraps? Probably not very often. It's it's yeah. like maybe maybe if there was a tweak or an injury and you're getting that recommendation from, you know, a physiotherapist of some kind, or maybe it's like at a really high load or in you know, if I'm competing and things are feeling like they need feedback. But otherwise I should be able to go without wrist wraps like 99% of the time. Yeah. I think just quickly to add to that before we move on to number two is that people that do use wrist wraps, I would try not using them for a workout and see how they feel. Because again, a lot of times it can be more of a placebo effect. It could just be in your head um, and you don't actually require it. it could be a certain moment in time when you felt like you did need it and you've just used it ever since. Um, mm-hmm. And you may not actually require it anymore. So I would implore you to do that unless, again, you're at, you know, max loads or there's some actual injury that's going on. Um, my recommendation is to avoid wrist wraps. But yes. to each their own, Megs. All right, number two. Who doesn't two. like a warm hug? Who doesn't like a warm hug on those Well, <laughs> you can't be coddled. You shouldn't be coddled your whole life. <laughs> So moving on to number two, talking about warm hugs is a weightlifting belt. Oh, this one. I like this one. So when do you see belts used the most? I mean, I see them used maybe too often in Mm -hmm. the gym. Um, And the question generally ends up being squats. And in like a deadlift situation, sometimes if we're doing, you know, a heavier clean um, or snatch, you can see those in those ollie lifts as well. Um, but I think that they're used too often and probably improperly used. So mm-hmm. the first perception that I would say a lot of people have is that 
the belt will save my back. Yeah. And that is completely like the wrong mindset to take on with a belt. Um, Cause it's not the belt that saves your back. It is you that saves your back. And the belt is only a tool to help give feedback on a bracing. But if your bracing technique is not good, that belt is not really going to do anything for you. Yeah, this is one of the most commonly used pieces of, of accessory equipment. Um, and it's actually used as a crutch. People totally. use it when they definitely should not be using them. Um, and for whatever reason, it just continues into their routine. Um, but in general, people move to using belts because they lack core strength and strength and stability. Um, and that can be, you know, that can be emphasized even more when your movement patterns aren't very strong. Um, you don't have consistency in those mechanics and thus aren't able to stabilize in the proper positions. So in most of the time, especially when you're not working at max loads, you should stay away from a belt. The only place that I've seen belts used properly when you know, you're not at max loads or you're learning to improve your movement is to use it, like you mentioned, as a feedback tool. So the way to properly use the belt is to actually breathe into it so that you can feel whether or not your core is stabilizing the way that you need it to stabilize. You're not supposed to just rip it on, you know, exhale and try to get the thing as tight as possible to replace your core. You know, you want to use it as a tactile cue. Can I feel my abdomen expanding, abdomen, excuse me, expanding um, into the belt? Then I know that I'm actually bracing properly for a lift. And then eventually I can remove that tool being the belt and still maintain that same bracing pattern yeah absolutely i've used it you know in coaching in like a one-on-one -on -one session as something to help you know give that tactile cue and that um feedback to an athlete when when bracing just doesn't make sense because i feel like learning how to properly brace might be one of the most challenging things when it comes to this you know you can kind of start to get a little bit of core strength and stability but still not totally understand how to brace your core um i still find that very often people think of it as kind of a sucking in motion when really it's mm -hmm. like a pushing out um, yeah. situation. Um, so the belt can be used as like, you know, to play a little bit when you're like doing a one-on-one -on -one to learn what that feels like. But if we can't do that without it, then we haven't used it appropriately at all. Yeah, I think a lot of people like not run, well, maybe they do run to use a belt, you know, as soon as they start getting to heavier loads, it's yeah. like in their head, I need to go, I need to get the belt. That's the only way I'm going to make this lift. Um, and ultimately, unless you are going for a max load, unless you are in a competition, you know, using a belt is probably not the best way to train. It's not going to help you advance faster it's just going to be a band-aid solution to poor movement pattern weak core you know crappy stabilization absolutely i definitely don't reach her mind like i used to after kind of learning that and then realizing that training and building those loads without it made it like such a stronger lift 
and and knowing that I'm relying on me and I'm not trying to rely on the belt. Mm-hmm. Gives you a lot That's, more confidence. It does, but you know, you got to throw the pride out the window sometimes, right? Which also I think true. is really important when you talk about an educated, you know, lifter. You know, these are things that you need to start considering. You know, the belt might get you a little bit heavier. You might be able to tack on a few more plates with the belt. But at the end of the day, from a training perspective, it's probably not giving you the benefits that you assume that it is. Absolutely. All right. They do have some fun ones now, you know. They've created, you know, sparkly ones. I think Coach Witt has maybe the coolest belt I've ever seen. (laughs) Right. Well, you're not going to ever get past the look good, feel good. So... (laughs) If they if they can sell you on a belt because it looks good, then you know I don't know that we can argue against that. Um, but from a pure training perspective, I can argue that the belt is a necessary tool, um, especially for our everyday sort of members. Absolutely. Moving on, number three, grips or gymnastics grips. These are the things that you put over your fingers that cover the palm of your hand. Megs, when do we see these used most? Pretty much on big gymnastics days, pull-ups, we've got toes to bar, anything that's kind of using that, um, you know, pull-up bar. This one is is kind of funny because I feel like the, the, the divide on who feels like these are the best and who doesn't is kind of going to be all over the place. You know, so mm-hmm. I do know a lot of people that love them. They feel, you know, that it stops them from ripping and getting that, you know, hands ripping open kind of thing. Um, and then you've got someone like me who's in the camp of, I just kind of feel like they're unnecessary. I don't like to use them. I don't feel like I have the same feel on the bar. Um, and I've found myself to rip either way. So it, it generally, they don't feel like a savior to me. If I'm in a competition, I might tape my hands to give them a little extra, you know, protection. But as far as using gymnastic grips all the time, for myself, I don't choose to use them. But I do know a great amount of people that swear by them and have said they Mm -hmm. have not ripped their hands in a long time. Yeah, I mean, people run to these as soon as they get a rip. You know, that's generally what happens. They go through a workout that has, you know, high volume, grippy, pull-up bar work and they get a rip and they say oh i don't want to deal with this ever again and they move to gymnast or they they just say to themselves well my skin rips easily and that might be true but at the end of the yeah it might be but i think there's a couple things to consider this is another downstream effect of poor movement and technical problems how often does that rip happen late in workouts last round Last yeah, couple last reps, round. right? Why? It happens because you're tired, you're not paying attention to the movement, you're hanging on by your fingertips. And because of that, your movement mechanics are poor, which then downstream again goes to, well, now my hands are doing all the work instead of, you know, stabilizing my shoulders properly or even gripping the bar properly, which leads to ripping. And so these are just things that you need to be considered or you need to consider because, you know, it, it identifies a potential, um, not issue, but it identifies something that you could be working on from a technical standpoint that will improve your movement, improve your endurance, improve your stamina in that movement, and then eventually avoid 
the rip from happening. Totally. Probably not I thought mean, of, right? I don't, I don't think that gets thought of very often. Like, is it technical? Yeah. Is it something that I'm doing? You know, am I ripping the bar properly? I think we always kind of go to instantly just like that, you know, I need grips or something that's going to stop that from happening. Um, the other side of it is, and this, this kind of comes a lot in being newer, but also after a long time, sometimes your hands just really hurt on the bars. And mm. people think that that pain of like, you know, holding and gripping your body weight on the float bar, that that pain will go away with the grips. But like, I've not found that to necessarily be true either. You know, like getting a better grip strength, practicing, you know, and keeping your hands like, you know, cared for generally is yep. what's going to help that. Um, the other big misconception is I need the calluses to grow. And, and so people don't, like, they let the calluses get bigger. Um, mm. And I used to think this too, like, you know, 10 years ago when I started, it was like, yeah, I just need to toughen up and my calluses need to get stronger. But what I have learned and experienced, and most people do, is that those calluses get hard. And if they're not kind of shaved down, when they rip, they rip deep. So it doesn't actually uh, protect kind of like that pain point. It's, it's like, you know, keeping the hand care happening, keeping the calluses down. Um, and, you know, keeping your hands properly moisturized <laughs> and those things so that, yeah. you know, they are in better shape. <laughs> well, it's true. It actually is very true. And I think, you know, if you avoid, if you avoid getting more reps with, you know, your bare hand on the pull-up bar, well, your skin's always going to be in that vulnerable ripping position, especially if you don't work on your movement. And then especially if you don't take care of your hands. Um, so you have to, you know, you have to get the reps in, um, you have to get the reps in on the bare hand in order for your hands to kind of get used to that, right? It just takes volume. They have to build up those calluses. You have to shave those calluses off. You have to work on, you know, how strong the skin is on your hand. It's not, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's like everything else that we do in the gym. When you first start, your hands are going to be vulnerable to to ripping um strapping grips on them is just a band-aid solution overall again unless you are competing unless you're doing something maximal um then i would lean towards avoiding these i think i've said that about everything all right so before we move on from the grips conversation what i want to ask you is is uh something that a lot of people might be wondering but like does having the gymnastics grips make me better at hanging on the bar? No. Do I need to explain it? Um, <laughs> no. So no, they won't. Well, first of all, you have to think about this. You're adding a layer to your hand, right? So ultimately you're making the diameter of, of that bar bigger, which is make it more challenging for you to actually hang from the bar. And depending on how big your hands are, it's going to limit your ability to get your hands fully around the bar, um, which again is going to limit your ability to actually have a stronger grip. This is my opinion. Yes. Would you agree or this disagree? Is, I agree. This is one reason why I don't like them. I already have the small hands, so shout out to all the small hands. I, I want to be able to feel that I'm holding that bar and not have something making that grip wider. Right. And you can bring that conversation even a little bit deeper if you want. 
if you're unable to get that full grip on the bar, then you're not going to be activating your lats and, and putting your shoulder into the best position possible. And so when we talk about downstream effects and being able to have good mechanics in, in these in these movements, if you can't fully wrap your hand, then you're not going to get the best engagement for um, for that movement. And that kind of brings it to another point of, you know, maybe we don't talk about it in this podcast, but the whole concept of do I wrap my thumb around the pull-up bar or not when I'm hanging from it? The oh, answer I have is a yes. Very, yeah, <laughs> I have a very black and white stance on this one. Wrap yeah. your thumbs. I don't care what reason you think you shouldn't wrap your thumbs, but do it. But maybe we should talk about that one at a later date. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, all right, moving on. Weightlifting shoes or lifters, as they are called. So, Megs, when are lifters used? Mostly, you're going to see them in ollie and squatting. Um, generally, if it's outside of that, then I'm going to be asking you why we're using them, um, because those are going to be your most optimal situations. Um, and these ones are kind of these ones can be fun because, like, I mean, wh- who doesn't want like eight pairs of shoes for one workout, right? Mm-hmm. Crossfitters in their shoes got three shoe changes in in a one hour class, <laughs> but they definitely show up the most for those ollie or like your squatting positions. Um, and I guess the question is why a lot of people want to know why, why Dan, why would you why? use all these shoes? Yeah, lifters actually do a lot. They, they do out of any of the equipment that we've been talking about and maybe because I have ankle problems, I'm biased, but, Fine. um, <laughs> but they actually do a lot at the end of the day, you know, it improves ankle flexibility. Okay. It improves stability for lateral movement. It puts you in a better position deep in the squat because of the way that it elevates the heel and again adds that ankle mobility flexibility and the way that those shoes are designed is they're very stable so when you're lifting heavy loads um you know and you're not moving much from the stance that you're in albeit only has some jumping obviously but you're not moving side to side or front to back as much or you shouldn't be um, in those movements um, they are very stable for you. So it gives you a good kind of surface and foundation to lift off of. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what they're, they're, they bet they do the best is they put you in a better position in terms of an upright posture for squatting or Olympic movements. And the requirements of that position are huge, especially when you get to snatching things overhead. Um, I think today, especially ladies, you know, wearing high heels ruins your ankle mobility. Um, sitting ruins your hip mobility. And, you know, putting the, those things together, not many people have proper squatting mechanics or technique or even mobility. And so strapping these shoes on will actually get you into a better position. Um, and it can actually stop. If you're not using them or not elevating your heels, it can really mess with your ability to squat for a lot of people from what I've seen. Now, is that a green light just to use lifters all the time um, and not work on your squat mechanics, not work on your ankle mobility, not work on your hip mobility? No. The answer is no. Why is it no, Megs? I mean, 
that's what we kind of like preach at the end of the day. If you're using them as like a tool to help improve, but not a crutch to like, you know, fix the overall, um, that's like kind of like the, the sweet spot. If you're using them all the time and never working on fixing those positions, then you're not actually um, improving at the way that we want to be. I mean, I definitely reach for my lifters very rarely, but I will when I'm going for like that heavier squat or if I'm just mm-hmm. like really working on that heavy ollie because um, it does kind of put a better feeling into my hips and optimal position. But I definitely train without them often and yeah. I can't use them in a Metcon. So I, if I've got squatting in a Metcon, I also need to be able to still move that way. So again, it's a tool. Don't use it as a crutch. Yeah, I think this is, they're similar to using a belt um, as well, so that you can, you can figure out the proper positions, the positions that you want to be in, and you can train those positions and slowly work your way out of using the shoes. Um, If you can't get into a position, you're not going to know what it feels like to ever get there. And so using it as that type of tool can be very beneficial as well. And, you know, this goes back to all the other pieces of equipment that we talked to, you know, competition, max loads, absolutely. Um, you can use these things and that's when they're probably most useful. Um, but other than that, if they're not giving you some tactile help or, you know, training you to be better in the positions naturally, then you can avoid them. Yeah. I mean, so then I guess that leads us to like, what, you know, if I'm, thinking about what do I absolutely need to have in my, in my gym bag? You know, what is the like, absolutely, whether I'm new or if I haven't just kind of like looked at that and I'm like, yeah, I'm doing CrossFit and I've got this training. What, what do I absolutely need to put in my gym bag? I have, I have mine. I'm curious what yours is. Oh, other than like crew socks and a pair of like, (laughs) runners extra shirt <laughs> yeah i mean for me i don't really put much chalk maybe um chalk oh, would yes, be good chalk. bottle of water you don't have to stick your face under the tap um but other than that I, that's really that's really it for me i guess rope <laughs> skipping rope yeah i mean that's that's mine the one thing like even though we didn't touch on but like you know lifters are a specific type of shoe but having a flat kind of metcon style shoe which there's you mm-hmm. know a variety of brands that have them you know so i would say to anyone newly kind of getting into like this lifting crossfit side of things you need to get a pair of shoes that are going to support this fitness and they are pretty flat right we don't do as well with like high cushion runners because there's not as much stability um, and we're learning to transfer power throughout um, using our body so I don't need it to absorb in the shoe so flat shoes are definitely a must-have for any crossfitter I think when I started it took me like six months before I was like I don't need special shoes for this Um, and Mm -hmm. when I did finally buy a pair of you know, Reebok Nanos, which was like the big popular one at the time, I was mind blown at how much better I felt in my movement patterns because I could stabilize through my foot instead of trying to fight my shoes. Um, So that would be one. And then, you know, water bottle, extra shoe, that too. But like skipping rope is my other fave um, that I think people should have. We did just get good ropes at the gym. So that's awesome. But having your own that's sized to you um, that you can also travel with because it's a really easy tool to get some cardio going. Um, those are those are my two faves. It's like those are the two things that I think you should have in your gym bag when you're trying to get started. 
Yeah, shoes are definitely important. You definitely don't want to be, you know, moving around in foamy, you know, kind of Nike running shoes or anything like that. You want something with stability. Um, you want something with a wide toe box as well so that you can yes. actually grip the floor with your feet. Now, are you going to want to run over a kilometer at most in those types of shoes? No, they're yeah. not going to be that comfortable for that. But at the end of the day, for the majority of things that you're going to be doing in the gym, you know, a little bit of chalk, a little bit of, or a good pair of shoes um, and your favorite, you know, t-shirt, you're good to go. Cool. Well, I hope we have we stopped people from wanting to use accessory gear. I don't know. Maybe we might We've have to have you the like reasons a little... on why you should and why you shouldn't. And now you can take your newfound education to make the best decision for what you're training for and whether or not you need these accessories. Absolutely. Be cool. It'd be also really funny one day to challenge people to put on every piece of gear that they own and see what that looks like. Well, like I said, you look good, feel good. So that might be the reason <laughs> why people wear these things in the first place. Um, cool. Well, that's a wrap, Megs. Another episode done. Um, great chat today. I'll talk to you guys later.